Uh, before I continue, I do want to mention, just as a reminder of Christy Smith's absence, that yes, the Celebration Choir will have practice this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and remember, the children will be practicing their music at 5.30, so parents, bring your kids out to prepare for Easter music, and I remind you, our children are bringing their music on Easter Sunday. I'm very excited about that, a blessing that that will be. Do you worry? Do you worry about anything? I tell you what, if you don't worry about anything, raise your hand. Dale, God bless you, brother. Terry? Okay, you guys can go home. We're, we're pretty much done. Uh, I get it. We, we try not to worry, don't we? And, and sometimes it seeps in, the fact that we, understand, we know what we're talking about. When I talk about worry, everybody knows what we're talking about. It's not like a foreign concept to us, because in our fallen human nature, we, we worry. That's what we do. And worry tends to focus on the future. Regret focuses on the past. Worry focuses on the future. It's the next thing, the next day, the next year. Uh, it's worry about the future that, we, uh, that, that haunts us sometimes. That's what we worry about. And God knows this. He knows our nature. So as we're going to see this morning, he speaks to us about our worry. Lucas Lafreniere is a uh, researcher, and he researches worry and, and how people worry. Uh, and Lafreniere says that uh, when, when people worry about the future, he said that's the dominant kind of worry. We are concerned and anxious and worry about the future. He said there's one thing that's true for all of us is it takes our joy from the present. When we worry about the future, it steals our joy in the present. He said the more people worry about the future, the less they enjoy the here and the now. He and his team did some research not long ago where they collected up a bunch of people and they had them write down through the day what they worried about and what gave them stress and distress. Anything they worried about related to the future. They were to make a note of that. Then at 10 o'clock every night, uh, the subjects were to sit down and catalog all of those worries. Get them in one place and catalog those worries. Then at the end of 20 days, the researcher contacted all of the subjects, sat down with them, and walked through their worries in those 20 days to see how many of those worries, in fact, came to pass. They were things, that they worried about things that did, in fact, happen. 92% of the things they worried about never happened. 92% of those things never happened. Again, his conclusion is, we worry about things that will never happen. It's stealing our joy from the present when we worry about the future. God understands this about us. As we continue in our series this morning on how Jesus sets us free, what we're going to see is that trusting God for the future sets us free from worry. Uh, now, the Bible acknowledges that we worry, and the Bible acknowledges that we get anxious. And first, uh, in fact, 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter tells us to cast our anxiety on him who cares for us. The Bible acknowledges we worry, while at the same time, the Bible reminds us there's no need to worry, especially about the future, because God is in charge, and God frees us. He sets us free from our worry when we trust him. If you have your Bible with you, find with me Matthew chapter 6, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6. Uh, if you know your Bible very well, you may recognize this as the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus' famous sermon cataloged and, and recorded in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and there's a fundamental principle that flows throughout the Sermon on the Mount. So tuck this away while you're going there. A fundamental principle that flows throughout the Sermon on the Mount is very simply this. Sometimes the problem is the way you see the problem. Sometimes the problem is the way you see the problem. What Jesus does throughout the Sermon on the Mount is he reveals the human perspective on many matters of life, especially religion, and then he explains God's perspective. And while looking at it from a human point of view confuses us and burdens us, but seeing it from God's perspective and God's point of view can set us free to have a relationship with God. And that's the point of his teaching on worry, as we'll see in just a moment. He teaches not to worry, and in doing so, he gives us a right perspective on worry. He teaches us how to see it, because sometimes the problem is the way you see the problem. I don't know about you, but I've got that yellow dust all over my truck. You got any of that yellow dust in your driveway? It descends on us about this time of year. People that uh, never take antihistamines are suddenly addicted to antihistamine, and, and we're taking everything. I'm, I'm the poster child for Zyrtec, by the way. Best stuff ever. So it's helpful to remember that pollen is not dirt. Pollen has a purpose. In fact, it's a very important purpose in germinating our world and, and getting the blossoms and the blooms to grow. It's a springtime harvest that comes after the pollen. I might not like it right now, but sometimes the problem is the way I see the problem. And it's a good idea to see it the way it was meant to be seen. It's a good idea to see your worry from God's perspective. Because when we do, Jesus lifts the weight of that worry. And that's my prayer for you today, that, that if you walked in here with worries of life, Jesus will lift the weight of that worry today. There's certainly a lot to worry about, isn't there? I mean, we've got the basic necessities and essentials, which Jesus will talk about in just a moment. Food, water, shelter, money, more money, less money, job, lack of job, need a job, changing jobs. Children, the way they behave, the way they don't behave. All these are concerns of life. And, and if, if that were not enough, we have illness. We have financial matters, financial problems. We have Chinese surveillance balloons. And the truth is, there's always something to worry about, isn't there? And it begins with the basics and the necessities of life. So what Jesus is going to do is he's going to recalibrate our perspective and lift the weight of that worry today. Look there with me. Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, starting at verse 25. And this is what Jesus says. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, O oh, you of little faith? 
So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, The passage starts out with Jesus saying, don't worry. The phrase translates an active verb that more literally means stop worrying. Stop that. Uh, See, he knows knows who we are and and how we think, and he he knows that we worry. So in a very real sense, it's as if Jesus is pointing his finger at the crowd and saying, are you worrying? Don't do that. Stop that. And then he's going to tell us why. Why he lifts that weight of our worry. Why we can stop worrying. It also tells us By the way, we have a choice in whether we worry or whether we trust God. We have a choice. But Jesus says, stop worrying. And he's going to tell us why. Also, the word translated worry is a significant word throughout this passage. It actually refers to someone who is double-minded, someone who is distracted between what they know to be right and what they fear what distracts them. They're they're pulled apart in their minds. So Jesus says, let me me recalibrate that. Let me give you the right perspective. Let me bring your mind back into alignment with who God is and lift that weight of your worries so you can focus again on what God wants you to focus on and think the way God wants you to think about your life and about your worry. So let's go to this passage just a minute. I want you to see with me how Jesus adjusts our perspective. He recalibrates our thinking and lifts the weight of that worry. What do we need? Here's what Jesus knows that we need. First of all, we need a right perspective on life. We need a right perspective on life. The first thing Jesus does is is asks a couple of rhetorical questions. And and it goes like this. He says, do you worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, where the food's going to come from? Why do you worry about those things, he says? Because isn't life more than that? And in his questions, he teaches two things. And there's the first one. The first one is, life is more significant than the little things we worry about. And when you worry about the necessities of life, it distracts you from the significance of life. It diminishes life itself. When you start focusing on, oh God, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? Am I going to have a job? Are you going to take care of me? Jesus says what you're doing is you're diminishing life to those simple necessities when God has already told you he would provide for you. He would take care of you. And your life is more significant than that. Uh, Now, the Bible teaches that the Sermon on the Mount was an outdoor sermon. Jesus sat down, there was a crowd out there, and so he looks around and he says, you see those birds? Look look at the birds in the field. They have everything they need. God provides what they need for nesting. Now, they have to do the nesting, but God provides what they need for nesting. God provides what they need for food. Now, they have to gather the food, but God provides what they need for food. God provides for those needs. And they get to do, you know what the birds get to do? They get to be birds. They get to live their life in the glory of God's creation, doing what God designed them to do, to be birds. See, when you worry about where the next 
where things are coming from. If you worry about your provision, you're diminishing the significance of your life and you're really diminishing your God. You're saying, God doesn't provide for me. I've got to worry about those things. So your first step in a new perspective on life is to realize the reason God provides for those things, the reason God promises you that he'll take care of you is so that you can live, you can live the life God intended for you to live. You can be free not to worry about that because God will take care of you. You just live the life that God wants you to live. Then Jesus asked a second question. Who among you can add length to the span of your life by worrying? Now, some translations have that as height to your life or, or actually grow. Can you, can you grow in height? Uh, because the phrase simply means who can add length. And most likely he's saying, can you extend your life by worrying? Does it help you at all? His point there is worry, worrying about the necessity of the life not only diminishes the value of life, it stops you from contributing to life. It doesn't contribute anything. Worry never contributed anything to anyone's life. There's not a single person in this room that has a better life because they worried about life. We don't have more stuff because we worried about stuff. Nothing happens beneficial because we worry. So Jesus says a right perspective on life helps lift the weight of that worry because first of all, Remember the significance of your life. You're so much more than a person that should be stalled out in worry. Let God provide for you. Let God guide you. Sure, sometimes you've got to do the work, but God will provide for you. And remember that your worry never contributed to anything in your life. So do those things, Jesus implies. Do those things that will contribute to your life and to the lives of others. Take today, instead of spending your time worrying, spend your time contributing, benefiting others, and doing things that contribute to your life. Having a right perspective on life does lift the weight of that worry, doesn't it? It does help to remember God takes care of you. He does it for a reason. So you can live the life that he's designed you to live. And it's helpful to remember that worrying never really contributed to our lives at all. Then second, Jesus says, keep a right perspective on God. Keep a right perspective on God. Refresh that. Align with the way God wants you to think about God. He's pointed at the birds, so now he says, and look at the flowers of the field. Just look at the flowers of the field. Aren't they beautiful? When God created the world, he said, let's make it beautiful. Why would he do that? Why don't you just say, well, you know, let's make it functional. Let's just plant people there. Never mind the mud and the dirt. Let's just plant people there and, and they can do their thing. It doesn't need to be pretty. It just needs to work. But that's not God. God made flowers. Beautiful flowers. Why make them beautiful? And not only, by the way, I would offer that this is evidence that you are created by a creator you have a sense of what's beautiful that aligns with God's sense of what's beautiful. He gave you an understanding of beauty 
Because He created you. So when you see a beautiful flower, you go, God made that. And I agree with God that that's beautiful because He designed me to appreciate and enjoy His beauty. This is really Jesus' point in this passage. The flowers, the ray the world even more beautifully than King Solomon who had the most majestic, beautiful palace and, and kingdom of the day. It makes the world even more beautiful than he ever experienced. The world is adorned more beautifully. Why would God do that? You know why God does that? Because God is a gracious and generous God. God is a gracious and generous God. The next time you see beautiful flowers and coming up on Easter, you're going to see beautiful flowers let it be a reminder, God is just a gracious and generous God. He did that so you would go, wow, God is good. Isn't he good? And if God will do that to the world, if God will add beauty for the sake of beauty, if he will do that just so you and I go, wow, isn't that beautiful, how much more will he take care of you? That's your God. That's your God. But then Jesus goes on to say something a little bit unnerving. I've got to be honest with you. As a believer, this is a bit uncomfortable. He says there is a contrast, or there should be a contrast, between the way believers understand God, our perspective toward God, and the unbeliever's perspective. Even religious unbelievers. In this passage we read, it's translated as Gentiles. Basically, you can insert there unbelievers. People who do not know the God of creation through Jesus Christ. He said, here's the difference. Gentiles or unbelievers seek after those material possessions and the things of this world. The word translated seek after means actively pursue, passionately pursue the things of this world. Their mind is on getting stuff. But he says there should be a clear difference between that and the follower of Christ and the one who worships the Creator. You instead seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be added to you. It's the same word, seek. You pursue God, Him, His person, His righteousness. You should be fixated on God Himself, not the stuff of this world, but on your God. And He will take care of you. As you live the life He designed you to live, He created you to live, in a world that is blessed with generosity and grace, you pursue your God. Get to know Him. Pursue righteousness that pleases Him. And He'll add everything else. He'll take care of what you need. No worries about the future. God will take care of what you need. This passage is especially kind of stings for American Christians, to be honest. Because we've adopted very much into our Christian culture the notion that we pursue the things of this world and God's job is to help us do it. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches there should be a direct contrast between our perspective on the things of this world and unbelievers' perspective on the things of this world. The unbeliever is in hot pursuit of stuff because of their anxiety, because of their focus on the things of this world. But the believer is in hot pursuit of God. Believing, trusting God to take care of everything else along the way. We pursue God. 
His righteousness, His goodness, His purpose, His plans for our lives. Does that mean you should never have a plan or a strategy in life? Of course not. The Bible teaches that as well. But it should never be your priority, your fundamental purpose. Your purpose is serving your God in this world. And let Him put those plans in place. Let Him guide you and take care of you along the way. That's the joy of serving God, and that's where a lot of the joy comes back into our lives. Instead of worrying about the future, we start focusing on God to keep our perspective to be in pursuit of Him. We have the joy and the celebration of watching God work in our lives, of watching God add to our lives, of watching God provide for us. One of the great joys that we celebrate as believers is when we're following Christ and we arrive at a place in our walk with Christ where we don't know what comes next, then we realize God's been there all along and He's taking care of us. He's already provided for what we need when we arrive. He's already knew we would get to that point because we're following Christ. The right perspective on God means that God created you. God is generous and God is gracious. And for those who pursue the things of God and the person of God, He will take care of you. That lifts the weight of that worry, doesn't it? To know that God is already taking care of you. God knows what comes next, and God will take care of you. And then third, we need a right perspective on time. Time itself. We worry that we're running out of time, don't we? We worry that life is short. We worry that there's, there's things we want to do, there's, there's stuff we want to have, and, and we're running out of time to get there. Jesus says two more times in this passage, okay, stop worrying. Stop worrying. And he closes it out by saying, stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Focus on today. Because today and tomorrow, they'll have enough trouble of their own. Don't you wish he would have said, because if you trust God and focus on today, tomorrow's going to be a breeze. It's going to be a snap. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. You'll have nothing to worry about anyway. That's not what he says. In fact, the word translated trouble is an ancient word that referred to wind storms that destroyed crops. And that's coming tomorrow. That's what Jesus said. Tomorrow's got enough of that on its own. Just think about today. But that's a matter of perspective because you know you can't really control everything that's going to happen tomorrow. Like the young lady said in the video, She's worried about earthquakes in L.A. Well, move. Not that hard, is it? Or learn not to worry about things you can't control. How about that? Because let's be honest, Jesus' point is, there's always something else to worry about. There will always be something tomorrow that you can worry about. Always. So decide today, decide today, to obey Jesus' command and stop worrying. Decide today to take God's perspective on your life. Your life is so much bigger, so much more significant than the things that we worry about. Decide today to keep God's perspective on Him, on who He is. Remember that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He's gracious, that He's generous, that He's good, and He has a great plan for you. And He wants you to participate with Him in that plan. And decide today to stop worrying about time. You know, the, the whole passage, as Jesus says it, the, the irony here is 
Worrying about your life is a waste of your life. It's a waste of time to worry about time, to worry about life, to worry about what comes next. And it implies also that somehow you can control those events that only God knows about. Well, we can't do that, can we? But what we can do is trust God and trust God for tomorrow. 1967, 17-year-old girl, Joni Erickson Tata, dove into the Chesapeake Bay headfirst, hit a rock, and was instantly a quadriplegic. Her whole life now, that's how we know her. If you're familiar with her writing, with her painting, she's an artist. Uh, if you're familiar with her speaking, she's a devout, outspoken, loving, gracious Christian that teaches and talks a lot about suffering in life. Not long ago, she was interviewed, and the interviewer asked her, are you scared about the future? And she said, well, I could be. I could be scared that tomorrow I'll wake up and my lungs will no longer work. My lungs will shut down. I could be scared that tomorrow my husband will no longer be able to take care of me. I, I could be scared that tomorrow I'll no longer be able to eat or even be fed by a feeding tube. All of that is a possibility. She said, I could be scared if I want to do that tomorrow I would have to be transitioned into a full-time care facility and that's where I would end my life. I could be scared about all that. But she said, I made a decision a long time ago and she said this, to heed the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And she said, did you know that seven times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Instead, focus on today. So she said, I made a decision to live today. Today is my day. And she said, I also understand from the word of God that God's grace is sufficient for today. And she said, that's all I need to know. How about you? Did you come in here this morning under the weight of your worry? Maybe it's about stuff. Maybe it's about practical matters of life. Maybe it's about the future of our country or the future of our world. Uh, so let me ask you, are any of those things things you can control? And is it taking away the joy of serving God today? So here's my challenge to all of us. Let's give God our worry. In fact, he told us to do it. Cast your anxiety on me. Why? He said, because I care about you. Give him your worry. I promise he can handle it. And you know what he'll do? He'll lift the weight of that worry from your shoulders and he'll replace it with a reminder of his grace and his generosity. The ringing sound of the words of Jesus that he will take care of you. Be in hot pursuit of God and watch what he will do. Watch what he'll do in your life as he'll take care of you. Let's not worry about the things we can't control. Pray about them, sure. And when you pray, give it back to God. Don't take it on yourself. I guarantee God doesn't need our help. He can handle it. He can handle the world. And he can take care of you, and he can take care of me. I'm going to pray for us in just a minute. And first of all, I'm going to pray a prayer for believers to challenge us again to give God our concerns, our anxiety, our worry. If you came in here this morning worrying, you heard the words of Jesus, stop it. Make that decision today. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to live this day as God wants me to. I'm going to trust God for what comes next. Uh, the second challenge I want to make for us this morning 
is that we would do what contributes. Rather than worry, replace that worry with what benefits, what contributes. Rather than worry about tomorrow, how about start praying for the people you're going to work with tomorrow, the people at work, the people at school. And when you meet them in the hall or you see them around the table or you have lunch with them, bless them with something. Tell them God loves them. Share the gospel with them. Give them a hug if they're hurting. Do something that contributes and benefits instead of worrying about things that we cannot control. And then last, I want us all to remember that we have but this one life to live. Let's live it for Christ. Let's live it faithfully for Him. And if you're in this room or you're at home and you've been holding back from trusting Christ as your Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a minute. And offer you an opportunity to put your faith and trust in your Creator, Jesus Christ, today. Because the Bible teaches that today is the day to make that decision. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible teaches. Just like Jesus says, let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. You be concerned with today. That means if you've never trusted Christ, you're being confronted with the gospel today. And if you've never trusted Him, you can do that today. And Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins fill you with the Holy Spirit, give you a home in heaven, lead you and guide you in His purposes day by day and lift that weight of your worry. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Let's pray together. Here and at home. Heavenly Father, God, we pause in this place acknowledging, acknowledging that sometimes we worry, sometimes we get anxious. God, we praise you. There are those times we don't worry. Maybe some in this room those indeed that have acknowledged, I'm not worried about anything today. That's good. And we praise you for that. But Father, all of us need to remember to have a perspective that you have on our lives, to remember who you are, and to remember the time that we have here is precious, not to waste it worrying, but instead spend our time serving you. So I pray for us today, here and at home today, God. First of all, those believers in Christ who have been carrying the weight of worry themselves, God, we cast that anxiety on you. We cast that worry on you. We let you take charge of the things we're concerned about, God. We trust you for what comes next. We'll apply ourselves to participating in the lives you've given us, God. And we anticipate you doing great things in our lives and with us in the days ahead. And Father, also for believers, I pray, Father, that we would replace that worry with contributing to the lives of other people, contributing to ministry, uh, contributing and blessing those around us, Father. Help us to seek out opportunities. Rather than worry, help us to seek out opportunities, God, to bring Jesus to our situation, right at home, in the workplace, in the school, wherever it is, to bring Christ to that situation, God. And open our eyes to the people around us. People that worry are all around us, God. Help us to bring Christ to them. And God, I pray for those that have never trusted Christ as their Savior. And today would be the day that through this simple prayer of faith, they would put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. This is the day. This is the day. They would waste no more time, but today is the day to trust Christ through this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. I've tried, but God, I realize I can't do that. And Father, I admit that I worry about everything worry about tomorrow and worry about my eternal condition so father i want to settle that right now jesus i believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today so jesus i ask in faith that you would come into my heart and into my life you would forgive me of my sins 
I repent of my sins and I turn my life over to Jesus Christ today. Father, for all of us, these are prayers of faith. And I pray you would continue to work in our lives, God, just as you desire today. And may we respond to Christ today as you're calling us to respond. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.